morning, everybody. Everybody feeling good? Y'all glowing. Look at Nate glowing. That fast is all over him. <laughs> oh, y'all looking good today, man. I feel good. Anybody else feel good? Y'all like, oh, all right. So we're getting there. Um, it's day five of our fast. Um, I can't speak for y'all, but God is moving. Um, maybe not necessarily every day physically. Maybe I'm a little tired, but spiritually, I just feel recharged and excited about what God is getting ready to do in this new year. Anybody excited? Anybody already seeing God move? Praise God. So we're here. Uh, we're continuing our series on the book of First Samuel. Um, I got a lot of content today. Don't know how far I'm going to go. I don't know if it's going to be a part two. We'll see. Um, but I'll go as long as y'all, y'all want to go. So uh, turn with me to the book of First Samuel, the 23rd chapter. Uh, starting at the first verse, we're going to go through the whole thing today. Uh, just to give you a recap real quickly, because uh, it's been a while. Last time we talked on First Samuel was the second to third Sunday in December. And then we didn't have Bible study that week. So uh, we haven't we haven't really addressed this in a while. Uh, but y'all, you guys remember David was on the run from Saul. Amen. Y'all remember that David is on the run from Saul. He goes into the cave of Adullam. He has how many people with him at the time? 400 people. They're in debt. They're in distress. They're in despair. Uh, David lifts up their souls. And the Bible says that uh, as he's sitting there in the cave of Adula, the prophet of Gad comes to him. And what does the prophet tell him? Don't stay in this stronghold, but go where? Oh, I'm working y'all today. <laughs> Don't stay in the stronghold, but go to Judah. Where's David from? Judah, he's telling him to go back home. So he's telling him to don't stay in this stronghold. Don't allow this temporary situation to become your permanent residency. God has more for you. So now we're here at the 23rd chapter and we see that David is on the run. But this time, David isn't on the run alone. Those 400 people are also on the run with David as well. Sometimes what God will do in your life is he'll direct your steps. And it seems like God is leading you into chaos. Y'all quiet. Sometimes you're walking your walk with God and you're finding yourself in all types of thorns and thistles of life. And you're looking at God saying, God, are you sure I'm walking? Or you actually question yourself whether or not you're walking in the will of God, because it seems like you're walking in too much mess. Am I the only one that's been there where you, you, you're like, God, am I, am I really following your lead? Because right now it looks like I'm in some murky waters. And I'm looking for confirmation to know that where I'm at, I am under your direction and I'm following your path. And can I help you sometimes? Sometimes God will lead you in some murky situations and it's all part of his process. Can I help you? Jesus was baptized. Y'all remember that by John the Baptist? And the Bible says, and a dove descended upon him. And when the dove descended upon him, the Lord spoke and he gave him confirmation that he was the son of God because he says, this is my son and what? Whom I'm well pleased. And the Bible says, and immediately the spirit of God led Jesus where? Into the wilderness. Why would God lead his son into a dark, rough, hot, musty place? Because it was part of the process. And I'm here to tell you that sometimes God, the spirit will lead you into some places that you don't understand. 
Oh, I'm talking today. 2019, you have walked in some journeys and in some places that you didn't understand. You've dealt with some situations that you didn't understand. You've lost some friendships, some family members to death or whatever that you didn't understand. But it was all the process of God. So now we come to the book of First Samuel, the 23rd chapter, and we see that God's steps look a little murky. They look a little messy. They look like they're a little bit out of control, but it's all part of the plan of God. And it says it was reported to David, look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah and raiding the threshing floors. So David inquired of the Lord, should I launch an attack against the Philistines? The Lord answered David, launch an attack against the Philistines and rescue Keilah. Let's stop here for just a minute. Let's go back for just a minute. I want you to work. I want to work here real quickly. I want you to understand how savage the Philistines were. When you begin to see the Keilah, the people from Keilah, they were people of Israel. They dwelled in a land called Keilah. And what would happen is during this time, this was their harvest season and the Philistines were scavengers. They didn't sow their own their own land. They didn't reap any harvest. What they would do is they would look and watch who else was reaping a harvest. And when it was their harvest season, they would take what that person had worked for. So these people had sown their seed, they watered their seed, they tilled their ground, they took care of everything that God had given them, they took their, they went and took their wheat or their corn or whatever they had, they took it to the threshing floor, they separated the wheat from the tear or the husk from the corn, and when everything was done, now the Philistines come in and they take everything that Israel had worked for. That sounds like some of our bill collectors, don't it? <laughs> they wait till the first of the month. Hey, how you doing? Uh, I noticed uh, that that payment ain't come. That's what the Philistines are, but they are immoral. So we see here that they wait and they watch these people from afar and wait for their season. And that's exactly how the enemy works sometimes in our life is he waits for your season. He waits for things to flourish. And when things start flourishing in your life, that's when chaos seems to break out. So the Keelites are now under an attack and David has an issue because even though he's from Bethlehem, the Keelites still belong to Judah. So it's like us Jersey folks. We're in Woodbury right now, but if something happens to Camden, you're concerned because you got some family in Camden. If something happened in Willenboro, I'm concerned because I'm from Willenboro. So although we're from different cities, we're still from the same country. And David has a heart for his people. Now, watch this here. I want you to look at the word look because there's some urgency here. Now, David has his own issues. He's running from Saul. Saul's trying to kill him. And while everything is chaotic in his life, things are going on in other people's lives. And David is concerned for other people when he has his own drama going on. So it says, look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah and raiding the threshing floors. Watch this. David could have immediately jumped on his emotions. And sometimes we make emotional decisions based off of how we feel without counseling God. We jump up and because we love people, we jump into situations. 
We love people, so we try to be superheroes to people. And David, I can imagine at this point, is immediately ready to jump into action. But before he jumps into action, he teaches us a lesson. Before I move emotionally, let me make sure I hear from God. Amen. All of us have made emotional decisions. Amen. And we've all paid the consequences of making emotional decisions that wasn't part of God's plan. Amen. Y'all quiet. You jumped out there and you fought for somebody. And then you found out after you fought for that person that they was wrong. All right, I'm the only one. You made a fuss on that phone and when you, by the time you got done with the conversation, you found out you was wrong. Amen. You was ready to do something to somebody and then you got the whole gist of the story. And when you found out the whole idea or the whole thing that went on in the story, you realized that you was getting ready to harm, bring harm to somebody off of something that you didn't get the whole story about. That's why it's important before we jump emotionally into decisions that we fall back for a moment and we hear from God, because sometimes you'll do more harm than good working out of your emotions. Y'all quiet. We're good people and we mean well, but sometimes meaning well don't mean you're doing well. So David could have possibly jumped into a fight that was part of the plan of God. What if the Keelites were sinners? What if they were dealing with God's judgment? What if God was dealing with them for sinful nature? And he was allowing his will to be done and David jumped in it. Oh. What if it is part of someone's plan to suffer? I know this is hard. And you're jumping in trying to save them and God's trying to teach them. You're giving resources to somebody that God's trying to teach a lesson to. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I am guilty. You're trying to help somebody that God says, I'm trying to teach them, and you're in my way. And if you would have consulted with me, you would have found out that the reason that why they are where they are is because it's part of my plan so that I can teach them a lesson on why they're there. And you're trying to be a savior to somebody that I'm trying to save. And they can only have one savior. That's it. And your $10 ain't going to save them. Your hundred dollars ain't going to save them. Your thousand dollars ain't going to save them. It's going to take sometimes some of us to hit a brick wall for God to save us all by himself. And no matter how much we love people, sometimes we have to fall back and let God be God and handle the situation and say, I'll pray for you. I know y'all quiet. So David does not jump emotionally into this situation. The first thing he does is he inquires of the Lord. And he says, should I launch an attack against these Philistines? Who are the Philistines? They are the enemies of Israel. This is where Goliath comes from. These are the same people Samson beat up. They have a history of fighting against Israel. And David says, should I launch an attack against these people? And then the Lord answered, launch an attack against the Philistines and rescue Keilah. Now he has instruction from the Lord. Listen, 
And I'm talking to me today. Joel, listen. Before you jump into things emotionally, trying to be the savior, find out what the savior is doing in the situation first. Mm. We love hard. I love hard. When you my real friend, when you my real family, ain't nothing I wouldn't do for you. But what God is teaching me sometimes is you got to let me handle the situation and you got to fall back. And you need to allow me to teach the lesson to this person and it ain't about you. So David now gets instruction from God to go and launch an attack against the Philistines and rescue Keilah. Next verse, watch this. But David's men said to him, look, we're afraid here now in Judah. How much more if we go to Keilah against the Philistine forces? Watch this. These are the 400 folks that came to him when they were in debt. They were in distress. They're scared. Because by us going out to fight the, the, the Philistines for Keilah, we're making noise. Saul is looking for us. And if we go and fight the Philistines, he's going to find out where we are because he's going to hear that we're fighting. Well, David, why are you putting us in a situation to make noise when we're supposed to be hiding? Go ahead, Pastor. Go ahead and preach. <laughs> we're scared. Can I show you something? I told you I got something out of this that taught me a valuable lesson. Can I show you something here? How many of them is it? It's 400. And what are they? They're down and they're in debt. They're they're distressed. They all messed up. They got a whole lot of drama going on. But who are they walking with? David, a man of faith. (laughs) Y'all with me? This war was for them. Because God had to show them that if you're going to walk with David, you're going to have to have the same faith as David. So I can't have you walking with him fearful. So what I'm doing is I'm allowing this warfare to happen because I'm trying to disciple and make you into warriors like your leader. Y'all quiet in here. Can I help you all for just a couple minutes? This fast is to make all of us warriors. This this ain't just about me. This ain't something that I just called for us to do at the beginning of the year. This thing is that after 21 days, we're all spiritually charged to go to war against yes, the enemy. Sir. Yes, sir. Amen. So we see here that God allows this war to happen because he can't have fearful men with David. You can't have people in your ear when you're under consecration saying, I don't know how you're going to do it. Mate. That sounds tough. I can't live without my cheese. I can't live without my coffee. No, I got to have fearless people around me to say, let's do this. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. So God has to develop the men that are with him to become warriors, too. Which means that this journey to Keilah was all part of the plan of God. I told you, sometimes God puts you in murky waters to teach you a lesson. And sometimes he'll put you in murky waters to teach other people a lesson. Woo! So they're scared. They're afraid. We, we, We trying to run from the man that we're in debt to. You ain't just dead if he catches you, David. But we dead too. I owe debt to Israel. I'm in distress to Israel. 
And if he comes and gets you, not only am I in trouble, watch this, but my children are in trouble. Because back in those days, if you were in debt and you could not fulfill the debt, they took your children as slaves to fulfill your debt. Amen. That's true. So you have folks that are fearful and God allows warfare to break out to make them lose their fear. Can I help you? God sometimes brings chaos in your life to get you to the point to where you're immune to faith. Amen. <sighs> help me, Jesus. I told you I'm going to talk today. Sometimes God keeps letting certain circumstances happen and happen and happen again to to the point to where you become immune that God is going to be in control of this situation, whether you like it or not. Yes, that's right. When I first got married, I used to look at the roof all night because I wasn't just looking out for me. I was looking out for somebody else now. I was stressing. I would have anxiety. I would get up and almost be hyperventilating, just calling Jesus. And you know what the Lord taught me? He said, you're going to wake up tomorrow. He said, ain't nothing you can do about it by sitting here stressing out. And eventually God had to keep allowing circumstances to stress me out to eventually now something come across my mind. It's three o'clock in the morning and it ain't done. It ain't going to be done. Jesus, keep me while I go back to sleep. Amen. I'm not going to sit here and have a heart attack in my rest over something I can't control. But God had to put me in a situation to where I've become immune to things happening, but knowing that God will eventually make a way out of no what help me, God. When you really start having faith, you're able to look at Friday on Sunday and say, I don't have it, but by Friday, God is able to make a way. I don't know how this thing is going to change, but by the end of the year, my testimony will be different than how my year started. So I'm not going to sit here and worry day by day about something that I can't control. I'm going to trust God that he's going to do it yes. by the time yes. I get there. Amen. Thank I'm sorry, I got excited. Amen. So they're afraid. How much more if we go to Keilah against the Philistine forces? Watch this. David doesn't get upset with them. He doesn't say, oh, ye of little faith. David shows us something. What does he do? He inquires of the Lord again. We only four verses in and David done went to God twice, which tells us that David has a serious prayer life. He teaches us a lesson here before I do anything emotionally. I go to God in prayer first. Y'all quiet. And even watch this when he gave me the answer the first time. If I'm unsure, I'll go to him again. Yeah. For confirmation. Yeah. Can I help you? Because yeah. I know we're told, don't you ask God twice. It's okay to seek confirmation. I think God would rather you look to him again for confirmation than lock yourself in a corner and be fearful after he told you the first time everything would be okay. If you're not sure, go back. If you're afraid, 
go back. But don't become paralyzed by fear. Amen. That's it. David goes back the second time. Y'all with me? David goes back the second time for the same issue just to confirm that it's part of God's will. Yeah. It teaches us a lesson that sometimes it's okay to go back. Yeah. Look at your neighbor and say, go back. Go back. So this battle here was, it was not only built to build, it's not only here to build David's faith, but it was also here to build the faith of the 400 men because we're going to see and by the time we get to chapter 25, it's going to say that these men were mighty warriors. But the only way you can become a mighty warrior is you had to have some warfare under your belt. Mm. The only way that you guys are going to become spiritual warfare warriors in the spirit is you're going to have to have some spiritual warfare under your belt. Y'all quiet. You can't be a warrior without a battle. And you can't be a victor without victory. So what God is doing is he's putting us in situations for us to win some battles so that we can prove to the devil that we ain't nothing to mess with. Y'all quiet. Next verse. Then David and his men went to Keilah, fought against the Philistines, drove their livestock away, inflicted heavy losses on them. So David rescued the inhabitants of Keilah. Abiathar, son of Ahimelech, fled to David at where? And brought him what? Ephah. What is in the ephah? The priestly garments. Mm-hmm. Something else? Brother Brian touched on it a couple weeks ago, on, on a David. The Urim and the Thum, thum, what is it? Thumen. The Yorman and the Thumen. What is that? It's inside of the breastplate. And whenever they sought God, they would pull from the breastplate and it would give them their answer for whatever they would go through. So the reason why the priest is bringing this to David was so that David could constantly have a connection to God on whether or not what answer he needed to hear from the Lord. Mm. <laughs> Which once again tells us that David has a serious prayer life. He does not go to war without the ephod. So what happened is you go to God and you say, God, will I win this battle? And if you pulled out one, it meant yes. If you pulled out the other one, that meant no. So the purpose of this ephod was so that David would always have answers for every step that he was going to. The whole the whole message of this whole entire 23rd chapter, just for some of y'all that got a short attention span, you ain't listening no more. <laughs> some of y'all like, I'll tune out after five minutes. Is to always depend on God for instruction in every step of your life. <laughs> I almost made an emotional decision a couple weeks ago. I went to my boss's office and he told me that they were doing a whole, um, what do you call it? where they're constructing a whole management. Reorg, yeah, reorg, reconstruction, reorg, whatever, yeah. And I'm like, uh-uh. I'm like, you've been my boss for three years. If I don't got you as my boss, I'm leaving. And I found my resume, and I was hooking it up. And God said, don't you dare. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm ready to get out of here. God said, don't you dare. And two weeks later, I went back in his office. He said, you're fine. He said, I'm going to be your boss for another nine months. He said, the problem is, is that they need a certain skill set to be your boss. And I don't even have it. Oh, wow. So he said, you need an attorney 
to be your boss. And I know you ain't going back to law school. I said, you're right. (laughs) But if I would have made an emotional decision and made a bunch of noise, I would have ruined what God was trying to do because I wanted somebody to be in position. Watch this. Who wasn't in position to begin with to handle what I'm doing. Mm. But luckily, I consulted God. And I remember laying down Rachel. I said, God spoke. Told me to stay put. And I was upset. <laughs> but now I look at it and I say, thank you, Jesus. Because I would have been somewhere putting suits on every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, calling out, using sick days and everything else, do interviews. Some of y'all done did that. <laughs> Trying to interview for something that was never part of God's plan. Yeah. And sometimes God just wants you to stay still listen to him and get instruction before you make an emotional move. Y'all with me? Then David and his men went to Keilah, fought against the Philistines, drove their livestock away and inflicted heavy losses on them. So David rescued the inhabitants of Keilah, Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech. Y'all remember Ahimelech? Who's Ahimelech? The priest. priest, And what happened to him? He was killed. Go ahead, Miss Tanya. He was killed by who? Doeg, the Edomite, who worked for Saul. Uh huh. And he was the son of <laughs> Abihu, who was the son of Phares, who was the son of Eli. And it was prophesied in Second First Samuel, the, 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 the second chapter, the thirty-first verse, that what that everybody from that generation would be wiped out. So my question is, then how is Abiathar still alive? Ooh. Wow. <laughs> Abiathar's assignment was to make sure he got the ephod to David before the judgment fell on him next. God's plans are so perfect. He aligns things and even keeps people alive to get you to your destiny. Yeah. <laughs> Why are they still alive? They still alive because you need them. Oh my. Even when they are no good. Preach pastor. Even when you don't like them, I'm going to keep them alive because they're tied into your destiny. Oh, help me, Jesus. It's a tough thing when God keeps your enemies alive. Because they part of your process. That's why Jesus tells us to pray for our enemies. Y'all quiet. Pray for those that despitefully use you because you don't know what I'm using them for. (laughs) Sometimes I'm using them to use you to build you to be what I need you to be. Help me, Jesus. So, yeah, the the abuse and the pain and the things that you went through have hurt you and have scarred you, but it made you. So David rescued the inhabitants of Keilah by daughter son of Himelech fled to David at Keilah and brought the ephod with him. Next verse. When it was reported to Saul that David had gone to Keilah, look at he says, he says, God. Now he ain't never honored God. (laughs) All these chapters. But look at him. What he saying now? God has handed him over to me. He's rejoicing for he has trapped himself by entering in a town with barred gates. This is so awesome. David locks himself in. Watch this. He's in the woods minding his business. 
The Philistines start fighting Keilah. David goes into Keilah, which is a barred city that he can't get out of, kicks the Philistines in, and now he's locked in fighting somebody that he didn't have to fight for. Hmm. He got in trouble and locked into something helping somebody else. Yeah. Oh, y'all all been there sometimes. Amen. You help somebody else now, that, that whole crew hates you. Because yeah. you helped that person that everybody hated. So David is locked in and Saul gets excited. This is what messes me up with Saul. Who does Keilah belong to? Israel. Israel. And who is Saul the king of? Israel. Israel. And who did David defeat? The Philistines and the Philistines are the enemies of who? Now, David is out here saving souls. (laughs) David is out here changing lives. And your hatred for David is so harsh that you will kill your own people to get to the person that you want. You are so jealous. You don't even rejoice at the fact that he's saving souls. Amen. Your animosity is so strong that you don't realize that he saved your people. But you'd rather see him demised than see him do the work that you should be doing. Saul should have been fighting this battle. Saul should have been fighting this war. We don't even know whether or not Saul was aware of this war. David is fighting a battle that didn't even concern him. And Saul still wants to kill him, even though David is saving his people. He says, God has handed him over to me, for he has trapped himself by entering to a town with barred gates. Watch this. Then Saul summoned all the troops to go to war at Keilah and what? Besiege David and his men. Do y'all know what the word besiege means? It means go in and kill everybody to get to David. Kill the same people that David just saved to get to David. These folks have just been saved and now Saul wants to kill them to get to David who has just saved them. Y'all can't tell me that ain't evil. Next verse. When David learned that Saul was plotting evil against him, he said to a Abiathar the priest, what? Bring me there. This is the fourth time. What verse we in? Ninth verse. That David then went to God. Bring me the ephod. Then David said, Lord God of Israel, your servant has heard that Saul intends to come to Keilah and destroy the town. Destroy what? The town because of me. He wants to kill everybody in Keilah because of me. Next verse. Will, watch this. Will the citizens of Keilah hand me over to him? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? Lord God of Israel, please tell your servant the Lord answered. He will come down. The same people you saved are going to be the same people that's going to turn you out. I should have just let the Philistines chop all y'all heads off. (laughs) All right, David better than me. 
Y'all, and they acting sanctified, but he know right there he just be mad. <laughs> you kill all of them before Saul get there. Here you go, Saul. Y'all here. <laughs> Bring me in. Yeah. Angry. I be angry, y'all. I, I'm still working on my David deliverance. <laughs> but David teaches me a lesson. Don't linger. <laughs> we don't say we don't see that David gets angry. We don't see that David looks for some type of a uh, get back at, at the, 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 the keylights for what he did. It says, will the servants come? He says he will come down. Then David asks, will the citizens of Keilah hand me and my men over to Saul? They will. The Lord mm-hmm. responded. Yeah. I was minding my business. <laughs> Sitting in my cave. <laughs> Enjoying my Daniels fast. <laughs> Eating my nuts and berries. When y'all came to me and told me that y'all was under attack, I wasn't even going to come fight for y'all. But I went to the Lord and I said, Jesus, should I help them? And Jesus said, go ahead. And I went and helped you. Now I'm under attack. And I need your help. And you leave me out there like this. Let's look on their side. <laughs> look, brother. We was just getting ready to get killed by the Philistines. I got children. I got house. I got a family. I love you, bro. But we just got out of that one. <laughs> I ain't trying to die over here now. I only been alive for about two weeks. I'm sorry, brother David. But you know, when it's your time, it's your time. I can imagine there's some frustration, but like I said, David teaches us a lesson. What does he do? Next verse. So David and his men numbering what? Hold on. He went in with how many? Four. And he came out with what? Which tells us that there was 200 men in Keilah that seen his face and was drawn to him. (laughs) His warfare drew discipleship. Which means that part of the war was to save 200 men to become warriors too. God put him in mess to be a savior and an example to other people. He thought it was just a war, but it was a moment of salvation to someone else. 200 men saw David that day and became inspired. And that day said, I want the God you serve. I want to pray like you pray. I want to fast like you fast. Help me, Jesus. Some of y'all have been through some storms in your life and you fail to understand that when you come out of it, there's been somebody that's been watching you the whole time and says, I want that God you got. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. How did you make it through cancer? How did you make it through that disease? How did you make it through that pain? And you share your testimony. And you don't even understand that that reason why you went through that storm 
was to be an encouragement to someone else so that they could come out with you. You question God. You challenge God. You screamed why? And now you know your purpose. Somebody has been added to the kingdom because of your testimony. I'm here to talk to y'all today. Some of y'all going through some stuff, but somebody's watching. Somebody's watching you. Somebody at your job is watching y'all fast this week, this month. They're watching your dedication. They're watching your faithfulness. They're watching your discipline. They watch you go to the car when they have the birthday party on Wednesday. They watch you say, no, I can't eat that. And when you come out of this, they're going to say, who is the God you serve? So rather than us complaining about our stomach aches and our headaches and our pain and our issues, understand that sometimes this is part of the process that's going to draw somebody else into the kingdom. I've had to learn because I'm telling you, I was hungry a couple times this week. I had to learn pray. Pray again. I found myself just saying Jesus all day on Thursday. Call him because there's something deeper than you just giving up a piece of chicken. Yes, yes. I have something that I'm doing in this process. And I want to see whether or not you can be faithful and you're proving to other people whether or not you can be faithful. David now has drawn and went in with four, came out with six and he doesn't have bitterness. He doesn't have hostility. He doesn't try to kill them, but he leaves. When people do you bad, sometimes the only thing you can do is keep it moving. Amen. Keep it moving. You can't change. What has happened? Keep it a movement. Because when God is on your side, he will do all the speaking for you. I thank God that God is speaking for me now. Kept my peace. Never got dirty. Never got on this mic and, and sparred and did any of that mess I kept my mouth shut and I'm keeping my mouth shut and I let God do the work the truth <laughs> I heard the story <laughs> it said one day the truth and the lie was sitting at the river and the truth said the lie said I, I, I'll race you over to the other side he said alright he said we gotta take off our clothes and swim to the other side and swim back first one over is the winner he said the truth and the lie started swimming. The lie came back to the other side real quick, threw the truth's clothes on, and said, I, I want in, I got your clothes. And the truth said, I'd rather walk around naked than wear a lie's clothes. And that's where we get the naked truth from. <laughs> a truth will always outlive a lie. Yes, it will. So David left at once and moved from the place to place. When it was reported to Saul that David had escaped Keilah, he called off the expedition. Next verse. David then stayed where? Where out in strongholds in the hill country of the wilderness of 
Anybody familiar with Ziph? Ziph is also Israel. <laughs> Y'all remember a man by the name of Caleb? Caleb? Remember Joshua and Caleb? How they, they walked with Moses. They were the only two during that generation of Moses that went into the promised land. And Mo, uh, Caleb went to Joshua when they got over. He says, Moses promised me a mountain. And he, moved, he pointed at the mountains of Ziph. This is where David is now. David is where Caleb prayed for God to give him the mountains. This is where David is. David is in the place of promise for the descendants of Caleb. Saul searched for him every day, but God did not hand David over because God is on the side of David. Remember what Dave, Saul said earlier? God has given me him. But we see Dave, Saul's a liar. David was in the wilderness of Ziph and Horesh when he saw that Saul had come to take his life. Next verse. Then Saul's son, Jonathan, came to David in Horesh and what? Encouraged him in his faith in God. We need some Jonathans in our lives. When we are at our lowest point, we need somebody that is going to encourage. I believe King James Version says he encouraged his hand in the Lord. We need some folks that will encourage us when we are in our lowest points. When I was in a low point two years ago, God sent me a few Joshua's. But then he also showed me who the Kelas was. Because I seen that when I could no longer offer people opportunities to pulpits on Sundays, I was no longer their friend. When I didn't have a church to invite them to, I wasn't their friend. But there were people that would call me and text me when I had nothing and would encourage me in the Lord. There were people that would come to Fearless Fridays and encourage me in the Lord. Y'all quiet. There were people that worked with me when this ministry was seven strong, nine strong, and encouraged me in the Lord. And my question to you is, are you a Jonathan to someone else? When someone's down and out, are you encouraging their hand right now? I always share the story how when I left my, my current, my, my, my prior church, I had text Dad Herbert and I, you know, long story. Uh, I had a real bad attitude that day. <laughs> and he texted me the next day. He was going to do that. He was like, you was all, are you all right? Because you seem kind of perturbed. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yeah, I, I, I resigned. And I could hear his screaming through the, through the phone. What? <laughs> I said, I resigned. <laughs> But he came right back. It was quiet for a while. I don't know what happened. But he came back through the text message and he said, you know what? God is with you. And you will be okay. That text message has resonated with me two and a half years later. Every time I'm down, I remember that message. You will be okay. I remember going to churches on Sundays trying to find a church home. Y'all crying. So I wasn't preaching again. I was going to go sit somewhere and be a member, but it just didn't feel right in my spirit because I knew what I was called to do. 
And I remember this uh, going, it was a, a, a last seven sayings or one of those things at Apostle Sharon Robinson's church. And she didn't know nothing. And she called me up and she said, everything you need, God is going to give you and you will not want for nothing. She said, every resource, every time you cry out to God, he'll give it to you. And every time we had situations with Hope Haven where we were on the edge, I will remember that prophecy. And everybody in Hope Haven, y'all know God would just drop stuff. Reverend Allen would call. Studio would show up. Folks would just give a certain amount that we needed for that exact moment. And God would just do certain things because God placed people in my life that were Jonathan's who encouraged my faith when my faith was getting slim. All of us need some Jonathan's in our life and some of us need to be Jonathan. Who is Jonathan? Jonathan is, I'm going to encourage you when it don't benefit me at all. There's nothing coming out of this for me. Help me, Jesus. Ain't nothing coming out of this for me. You're going to be the king of Israel, David. I've taken in to the fact that I will never be king, but I still love you. Do y'all remember when Saul offered that sacrifice before Samuel got there? What did Samuel say? He says, you basically have cut off the kingship through your bloodline. Jonathan knew then that he would never be king. There was no need to love David. But he recognized that there was a special anointing in him that I will never have. But I'm going to do what I can to help you reach your destiny because I realize that God is still doing a great work in you. There's nothing in it for him. There was nothing in this for y'all when y'all came to this church. But y'all come. You give. You serve. You love. You reach. You evangelize. You do all of them. You are my Jonathans. And I pray that I can be your Jonathans. And where you going in your ministries and where you're going in your lives, when you need that job, I want to be that word of encouragement. When you need sick and you're sick and you need prayer for healing, I want to be that Jonathan. I want to be that person where it doesn't benefit me at all, but to see you thrive, I want to pray that God allows you to thrive when it doesn't do anything for me. Can we pray for people when it doesn't benefit us in any kind of way? I'm going to challenge you this week. Encourage somebody's faith this week. Send that text message like I got to somebody this week. Pick up the phone and give that phone call to somebody this week. It might throw them off. But you never know how long that one sentence, that one phone call is going to resonate with somebody that's going through something. I challenge you this week. Make that phone call, make that text message, make that email, walk by that desk if they're at your job and tell them God is on your side. You got this. And you're going to see God do transformations right before your eyes, not because you did anything special, but just because you was just that encouraging strength that that person needed in their time of trouble. He said, don't be afraid 
from my, my father Saul will never lay a hand on you. How does he know this? He has to be prophetically speaking. You yourself, watch this, will be king over Israel. This was never discussed, but he knows it. And I'll be your second in command. He's wrong there. <laughs> he was hopeful. <laughs> but he still prayed for someone else to be king for a rulership that was rightfully his. Amen. At this point, he could have said, Daddy! But he recognizes that there's something greater in David that's even bigger in him that's in my father. And he rides with, I forget this, he rides with his brother-in-law. He was married to Jonathan's sister. You yourself will be king over Israel and I'll be your second command. Even my father Saul knows it is true. I'm almost done, y'all. Next verse. I told you I had a lot to say today. Then the two of them made a covenant in the Lord's presence afterward. David remained in Horash while Jonathan went home. Jonathan risked his life just to encourage David. Remember, Jonathan is fleeing from his dad, too, because Saul threw a spear at him while he was at the dinner table. So he risked his life to get to David. And it also shows us something spiritual that Jonathan is able to find David. Because David is hiding in the woods of Ziph. How do you know where Ziph is, Jonathan? You're a Benjamite. This is my town. There's some parts of Willowbrook I'll hide. Ain't none of y'all going to find. That's my town. But there had to be something spiritual and prophetic in Jonathan to even find David. Afterward, David remained in Horesh while Jonathan went home. Some of the Ziphites, look at this. I want to say something right there. I'm sorry. I, I, I get emotional when I read the Bible. Who are the Ziphites? Descendants of who? Caleb. Look at what these, these, these fools do. I'm sorry. You shouldn't say the word fool. <laughs> Some Ziphites came, some, I don't want to say all, but some Ziphites came up to Saul at Gibeah and said, David is hiding amongst us in the strongholds in Horesh on the hill of <laughs> south of Jeshemite. <laughs> Where is Ziph and Judah? Where's David from? Which tells us these are his people. His own people are snitching him out to the king. Not only that, but y'all are the descendants of Caleb, a man of integrity, a man of faith. The last people that I would think would snitch me out would be the people of Caleb my own David talks about this in the Psalms the folks of my own turned against me this is what he's talking about next verse now whenever the king wants to come down let him come down our part will be to hand him over to the king may you be blessed 
May you be blessed by the Lord. This is them talking to Saul. Saul talking to them. Replied Saul, for you have taken pity on me. Go and check again. Now, what is Caleb known for? Spying. Investigate and watch carefully where he goes and who has seen him there. They tell me he is extremely cunning. Next verse. Look and find all the places where he hides. Then come back to me with accurate information and I'll go with you. If it turns out he really is in the region, I'll search for him among the clans of Judah. So they went to Ziph ahead of Saul. Now David and his men were in the wilderness near Maon and Arabah south of Jeshimon. Now they moved out of Ziph. Next verse. And Saul and his men went to look for him. When David was told about it, he went down to the rock and stayed in the wilderness of Maon. Saul heard of this and pursued David there. I'm trying to get somewhere. We done. Next verse. Saul went along one side of the mountain and David and his men went along the other side. They're getting ready. Oh, it's getting close. Even though David was hurrying to get away from Saul, Saul and his men were closing in on David and his men to capture him. Oh, he's getting them. Then a messenger came to Saul saying, come quickly because who have raided the land. Who did David fight in the beginning of the chapter? The Philistines. If David didn't fight the Philistines in the beginning of the chapter, they went in the wreaked havoc somewhere else, which would have caught the attention of Saul, which would have took him off the skirt of David to get him to go back to fight the Philistines. Sometimes God puts you in murky waters to cause confusion to your enemies. All of his walk was part of the design and the plan of God, even almost getting up to the skirt of David. God told him to fight the Philistines, not only to build the faith of those 400, not only to gain 200 to his enemies or to his army, but he also told him to fight the Philistines so that the Philistines would cause chaos somewhere else. After David made them flee from Keilah. God always has a method. I won't call it madness because God's not a God of madness. But God always has a method behind what he's doing. And sometimes we're like, why am I going through this? And God says, I'm stirring a pot over here. So that you can find a room of escape over there. Hang in there. Pray fast. Trust me. If you trust me, I have your back. Y'all are still alive because you've trusted God. You're still breathing because you've trusted God. You've had rooms of escape. You've been in places that should have killed you, but God got you out in the nick of time because you've trusted him. And now is not the time to lose trust in God. Now is the time to be like David and inquire of the Lord for your next step. Thank you. Yes, So Saul broke off his pursuit of David and went to engage the Philistines. Therefore, that place was named the Rock of Separation. From there, David went up and stayed in the stronghold of En Gedi. Done. Got through the whole chapter. Three points and I'm going to get you out of here. Number one. Pray before you react. 
Don't make emotional decisions. Don't just move out of your emotion. Because sometimes your emotions can be wrong. Sometimes we love people so much that we love them even when they're wrong. I'm from the era of if my mama robbed the bank and you asked me, no, she did not. But when we close the door, we're going to have a talk. My kids do something wrong to a certain extent. School, no. No, they didn't do it. But when we get in the house, I'm I'm, going to handle it. Don't react quickly out of emotion. Trust God and inquire of the Lord before you just jump into something because you just emotionally love somebody. Number two. Remember the end result. Most of you know where God is taking you. Most of you know, have a, a, a idea of where your next step or your next level is in God. Keep that in mind. Because what happens is, is what the enemy does is he gets you foggy in your current circumstance to take your mind off of where God promised you. Y'all remember Jesus when he told his disciples to meet them on the, meet him on the other side, a storm broke out. And what happened? They got stuck up in the storm and lost focus on the word to meet them on the other side. Keep focus on the other side and don't allow your current circumstance to become so foggy in your mind that you lose focus on where God has already promised he's going to do. He's going to do it. He can't lie. Number three. True friendship is shown when tough circumstances occur. You're going to know who your true friends are when you're in your wilderness. Those of us that's lived a little bit, we've had some situations where true friendship was shown. I see Roy shaking his head. We've seen under pressure who was really there to ride for us. When tough circumstances arise. I think somebody's still looking for that up there. Number three. True friendship is shown when tough circumstances occur. So trust God. And not only that, but be a true friend. Be a true friend. When somebody is when they're when they're the David and they're having tough circumstances. You be that person that encourages them in the Lord. Don't always be the person looking for encouragement. I'm finished, y'all. Amen. On Tuesday, we were going to have a prayer here at Hope Haven from 7 to 8. It's going to start promptly. Um, I'll I'll be leading it. It'll be at 7 o'clock. We'll be out of here at 8, around 7.30, 7.40-ish. I'm going to go over uh, 1 Samuel 24. So we'll have a, a, a short Bible study. Um, I'm going to touch off some, on some points of chapter 24. Um, and then we'll be doing that every Tuesday up to the 21st. So um, January 7th, January 14th and January 21st, we'll be here for one hour of prayer. I call it 30, 30, 30 hours of prayer, 30 hours of work. OK. Um, we're still fasting. Um, how many of you guys are holding on? It's all right. It's all right. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. You know, I ain't going to ask for no hands no more. Just hold on. All right. And let me let me help you. It's not too late to start. And if you made a mistake, it's not OK. It's, it's OK. It's OK. This is ours. This is your sacrifice to God. This isn't about trying to be people pleasers. So I know some folks is tough. 
Um, but do what you can for God. Um, what I noticed was that because I was fasting, I was trying to find things to occupy myself. So I would just go scroll through social media. So I took all the social media off my phone. I took it all off my phone for 21 days because what I'm trying to do now is just occupy. And I'm not saying this is for everybody. This is for me. I was just trying to occupy myself to prevent putting a hamburger in my mouth. So, <laughs> so as you sacrifice, you'll, you'll see God ask you to do other sacrifices or, or, or certain things will prick your heart. Um, and, and this has been really good for me. Um, it's been opening my eyes towards the scriptures and I'm just looking to see what God is going to do. So, Tomorrow is day six. Today is uh, our prayer uh, for temptation. Deliver, um, you know, keep us from temptation. Um, Because I know it's day five. That's the day of grace. But at the same time, enemies might be trying to tempt us, you know, even with food and everything else. So just pray that God protects you and keeps you from temptation. Okay. Day six. um, Tomorrow we're going to be praying for the blessing of our children. How many of you have children? How many of you have grandchildren? Nate's like, none. We're going to pray for your nieces and nephews. <laughs> you got a whole bunch of them. Um, so we're going to pray for um, children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, cousins, just our children. Okay. Um, day seven, Tuesday, we're going to pray for healing. We all know uh, some of us need personal healing in our body. Um, we have family members that need healing, loved ones that need healing. We're going to pray for healing. So that's perfect because we're going to be down here praying. So day seven is a perfect uh, day for prayer for healing. Uh, day eight, deliverance from evil spirits. Um, it's not talked about a lot, but like I said, I do expository preaching now. We're going to get to it. Demons are real. Spirits are real. Um, so we want to pray against those. Um, so we're going to be praying for that on day eight. Day nine, I'm going to pray for the Holy Spirit. Pray for the Holy Spirit that will glorify. Pray that the Holy Spirit will glorify. That was my, my fault. Pray for the power of the Holy Ghost that will glorify God. And what I mean by that is that whatever we do, we're going to ask God to pray for our hands and to do something that the Holy Spirit leads us to do whatever we do to glorify him. Does that make sense? So if, if you're here to minister, whatever you're doing, if even on your job, whatever we do that day, we're going to pray that God touches our hands and our hearts to do whatever is necessary to glorify him. So we don't know. God may speak to you to tell you a coworker to just tell him everything going to be all right. Or, you know, like I told you earlier, send a text message this week. We're going to do things. We're going to pray that God does things to us that will glorify him. Day 10, we're going to pray for wisdom. Lord knows we need that. Day 11, we're going to pray to be filled with God's love. And if we're praying to be filled with God's love, we're praying for to be filled with his spirit because God is love. And in day 12, we're going to pray. This is next Sunday. We're going to pray to receive spiritual strength in our inner man. Um, at that point, we're going to be fasting for 12 days. So we're going to need a lot of spiritual strength. So that's going to be a major prayer on day 12. Alana wants to share some suggestions as she takes the headphones off her ears. <laughs> this girl loves the microphone. Y'all pray for her. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I had the suggestion for the Daniels Fest that we could get a journal, and after every day, we could write about what we did for the whole day and what we ate. Amen. All right. (laughs) So, Alana did suggest that if you guys would like, you can journal. Um, Just your experience during a 21-day fest. So, as I was praying on this... um, we obviously want to do, I'm, I want to continue to do this annually, um, but I am looking to just fast um, sporadically throughout the year. 
So there will be times where things may be going on, things may occur, and I may just say, hey, on Wednesday, we're going to turn our plate over from six to six. Okay. Um, These things come by fasting and praying. And if we're going to see God really wrought miracles and do miraculous things, um, people really forget the key of the importance of fasting. Um, It's more than just giving up food. Uh, But when you're fasting, you're basically saying, God, I submit myself completely to you and I'm willing to give up anything that gratifies my flesh so that you can be glorified. So um, this is more. I know this is hard for some folks that may have not fasted in a while, um, but I want you to just keep in mind that this is deeper than um, just giving up food and losing weight. We all want to look good, obviously, um, but it's, it's deeper than that. Um, this is about our spiritual, our spiritual walk with God. And like I said, I believe in 21 days, I already got a few text messages of some wonderful things that God has done. And maybe on that, that following Sunday, maybe not because I'll be away to the 26th, maybe that first Sunday in February, um, we'll open the floor up. Some of y'all that want to share your testimonies of what God did during a 21 day fast. Amen. Father, we thank you for this message on today, God. Thank you, Lord. Whole lot of content, but God, I thank you, God. It's a whole lot that you said. Thank you, Lord, for uh, just giving us a word of instruction on to trust you and to inquire of of your instruction on, on our next steps, God. God, right now, God, we're praying, God, that you reveal to us, God, our next steps in this this walk that we have with you, God. God, allow us, God, to uh, just uh, stay away from any pitfalls or anything, God, that will uh, hinder us or stop us, God, from getting, God, where you have us to go, God. We speak against anything that tries to come up against us, God, that is unlike you, God. And God, we trust you. God, allow us, God, to be a true encourager, God, and a true friend to people, God, that may be down and out in this season, God. Give us the strength to pull them up, God, and to reach, which is part of our mission statement, God, to reach down and to pull them up, God, to where you need them and where you want them to be. Touch each and every single one of us, God. Touch our hearts, our minds, touch our bodies, God. Touch those that are sick, God. Touch the Scipio family, God. Strengthen them, God, during this time, God. And Lord, we thank you. We give you all the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to partner with us or make a donation, please visit our site at www.go2hopehaven.org. Our mission statement is to reach evangelize, accept, and love. Your contribution will be a blessing to many in our local community, nationally, and even internationally. Again, thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more next week.